Now, were you going to be playing during Carolyn's prayer, too? Mm hmm Okay. Yeah. Because I was wondering if I should just stand to the side. Or, yeah, or just, just sit and... Especially when they... Like like five or six minutes. Yeah, and especially when they do the televised YouTube. Oh, right. I don't want to be up here. Those people's eyes should be closed, however. Hi, good morning, everyone. I'm grateful to see each and every one of you here. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to SVC. And thank you so much to our YouTube and Facebook viewers. It is a pleasure to have you join us as well. I want to share with you a little word real quick from Psalm 121. It says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's good news. Amen. Well, my prayer for us today is that we will engage together in worshiping the maker of heaven and earth and that we will find our help and our hope and our joy in him because he is the, the best source for that, right? Let's stand together and let's worship. I want to welcome Elise Strickland back. Thank you so much, Elise, and helping her today is Elsa Claussen. Thank you, ladies. Let's worship God together. Amen. Thank you, Matt. So October is my favorite month. And one of the reasons is because I, I just think that God's beauty is so on display in this time. And, I, man, I just love all of the feelings of comfort and coziness and family and all the, the time that we spend together. Um, it, it feels like life kind of calms down a little bit from the busyness of summer and we can be with each other. And so uh, when I was praying about that kind of this week and I just felt like God was over and over showing me just the beauty of his creation Um, I just pulled some love songs really that we can we can sing to our God this morning fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God and all my life if you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good 
these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh how he loves us so oh how he church you can have a have a seat this morning I'm just going to take a few minutes and I'm gonna we're gonna pray 
We're going to pray specifically for revival. You know, Gary had asked me to come in and um, do, do a prayer time about revival. And so I was thinking about this. And, and last Sunday, we actually sang a song that says, I see you. And the chorus says, I see you in the morning light. I see you in the fire by night. I hear you say, child, I am with you. Everything will be all right. And that song's just kind of been stuck in my head. And I love the songs we sang this morning, too. Uh, but that song has just been stuck in my head this, this week and in my heart. And just kind of that, those verses, that, that line that says, child, I am with you. And that song is in line with Scripture because Scripture tells us that God will never leave us and never forsake us. And from his word, we have that assurance, too, because Jesus is what? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so as I thought about the fact that God is with me, I had to ask myself, am I with him? If God is with me, am I practicing his presence? And that thought just started an avalanche of questions in my mind. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of share with you the questions that have been going through my mind this week, and I ask for you to kind of think about and ask those questions of yourself as well. Am I spending time with God? Am I close to him as a father and as a friend? Is he the one I run to? Is he the one I go to? Is he the one I serve? Is God the one I love and the one I fear? Am I walking daily with the Spirit? Am I in God's Word and in prayer? And do I have a heart of worship no matter what circumstances are in my life? Am I praying? Am I fasting? Am I reading Scripture daily? Does He have my first and my best and my last? If I didn't answer quickly with a resounding yes, then I need revival. If you pondered those questions and didn't jump up and say yes in your spirit, then might I suggest that you need revival as well. You and I need our spiritual relationship and our priorities to become active and maybe active again, actively pursuing God in our lives. You see, the very definition of revival is to bring back what is gone to bring back what has lost its motivation, to assist something to become active again. Our relationship with God should be active, not on, not on autopilot. So what about our country and what about our city? Are we living according to the word of God and if the answer is not a resounding yes, then our country and our city needs revival. What about the next generation? Do they know God? Are they aligning their lives with the word of God? Or are they leaning into culture? Was the, were the things that they were taught about God as children molding and defining them as they move into their adult years? Is there a relationship with Jesus that overflows with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? If the answer is not a resounding yes, 
then we need to pray for revival. Praying for revival is important, as is how we come to God. I've been reading, you know, through, through scriptures, and this week I was kind of in Ezra a little bit. And in the book of Ezra, the people, it's, it, in a synopsis, is the people returned. They had been in Babylon for, for 70 years in bondage. And they, they're returning. God had moved in the heart of King Cyrus, and they're returning back to Jerusalem to rebuild the tabernacle. And it said, I don't know why it stuck out to me, but when they laid the foundation, they praised God with the loudest praise and worship that had ever been heard. When they laid the foundation, they were praising God. But then we see after a short time, they forsake the commands given to them by God through Moses and through the prophets. But then we see what Ezra does. Ezra the prophet intercedes with an emotional prayer of confession he prays he confesses he wept and he threw himself down before the house of god and when the people gathered and saw this they too wept bitterly they cried out we have been unfaithful but there is still hope for israel there is still hope and because there is still hope There's hope for us. There's hope for our nation. There's hope for my soul. And so we pray. And when we pray, our expectations should be answered prayer because God, that's who God is. He wants to answer our prayers. So right now, I'm just going to lead you in a time of prayer for revival. If you go ahead and bow your heads and we're going to pray. Lord God Almighty, there is none like you. In your great love for us, you sent your son who stepped out of heaven to endure the cross and the sins of all mankind that we could be saved. And God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sending your son. And Lord, we have been an unfaithful generation. We've had our faithful moments, God, for sure. We have had our faithful moments, but we know that we slip and we fall and we stumble. So we repent and we seek favor and ask you to heal our land God we ask for revival revive our hearts to be fully devoted and aligned and living for you and God let it start with me let it start with me God let it start with us when you look at Solano Valley Church God I pray that your heart is just leaning into us God and that you hear our prayers and God that you would revive us God where there is a heaviness depression, anxiety, we give it to you. We ask you to calm the storms in our hearts. And we cast our eyes upon you and we say, restore us. Lord, we want to serve you with a holy, devoted heart, with a willing mind. May our every desire and thought be for one thing. Jesus, only you. You are our one thing, God. Your beauty. And, Lord, that one thing that we want so much is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life and to gaze upon your beauty and to seek you in the temple. So, God, we ask that you would restore us and may we live for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
love you, God. We are in awe of your beauty, of your creation that you've brought us into in this world, Lord, and just the majesty of of who you are, God. God, you are awesome. God, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time of worship. In your name we pray. Thank you very much, Elise, and thank you, Elsa. And once again, everyone, welcome to SBC. I'm grateful uh, that you are here today, grateful that you're tuning in. Speaking of tuning in, uh, so we have a, a, a guest speaker this morning. PC Walker is back with us today because, yes, give it up. Because Pastor Gary and Joy are down in Southern California visiting their daughter Faith in college. So if everyone, I know not everyone is, is, is within frame, but if everyone could just look at the camera right there and say, Hey, Joy. Hey, Gary. Go ahead. I know you can't see everyone, but everyone waved and said hello. So I hope you're having a great visit with Faith down there. Um, a couple of things that I want to share with you before I invite uh, PC up is, you know, here at SVC, it, connection is something that is really, really important to us. We are better when we're together. We're better when we do life together. Uh, It is so important for so many reasons. It's important for our spiritual health. It's important for our emotional and mental health. Connection is life-giving, okay? It's so, so important. And there's a couple of ways I want to share with you that you can find connection here at SVC if you haven't done so already. First is through connecting in a small group. We have a few that are going on right now. Um, c- connecting with in a small group and getting into God's Word together and praying for one another and doing life together that way is, is just absolutely critical for our growth uh, as, a, as followers of Jesus. So I invite you to participate in that if you haven't already. And, the, and also a, g- a great way to connect is by uh, serving. There are multiple opportunities that you can connect by doing that. Uh, we, we're looking for, for help in our sound and multimedia team, uh, in children's ministry, uh, student ministry, um, lots of different ways to get involved. And you can find these opportunities on our SVC app. If you don't have our app on your phone, you can go to, uh, to Google Play or to the app, the app store and uh, just search for Solana Valley Church. And uh, download that app, and you can find those opportunities there. You can also find them on our website, solanovalley.org, a great way to find out information there about serving and about so many other things. So, uh, once again, we are better when we do life together. So my encouragement to you this morning is to pursue connection, pursue connection, and and do life with other people. Um, I also want to let you know, uh, remind you about our upcoming Trunk or Treat. It's going to be here in a few weeks. Uh, so my family and I, we are doing our, our trunk decorations. We're going to be decorating uh, based upon the movie Up. You remember Up by Pixar? And I like this choice because uh, I'm going to be Carl, the old man, 
And I like this choice because if we keep doing these trunk or treats every year, and we keep if we keep doing the up trunk, eventually I will look like Carl. So so this this uh, this um, uh, opportunity for us it, this is more to me than about just serving our community. This is about achieving personal goals here. I want to I want to live long enough so that that I look like Carl. So that when people come up to our trunk, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is like this is real. They're not they're not messing around. That, that is actually Carl. So but seriously, this is coming up October 30th from one to three p.m. And uh, this is just a fantastic opportunity for us to love and serve our community with and by 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 hosting a, a fun, family friendly event. And I, I appreciate each of you who have who have signed up to do a trunk. I appreciate each of you who have brought in candy donations. We would still love to have more people do trunks. We would still love to have more candy donations. So if you haven't uh, done that yet, you can. Uh, it's not too late to do that. So uh, the trunk or treat table is behind our sound booth, uh, underneath the cross back there. You can go back there and find out how to get involved as well. Or, or, uh, again. So the next thing I want to mention uh, is our offering. Um, each each week we have this opportunity to worship God with our giving because giving is an act of, of worship. It's an act of faith. And it's a way for us to say, God, everything I have belongs to you. And I thank you for the way that you have blessed me. I thank you for the way that you have provided. And so I want to give and and just honor you uh, with with how you have blessed me. So there are different ways that you can uh, give. First of all, uh, you can do it online. I mentioned our website earlier, solanovalley.org forward slash giving. You can tap give on our app if you don't have the app yet. Again, I encourage you to download that. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. The fourth method is you can text the word give to 707-883-3109. And then also, if you're here this morning and you just want to you want to physically give a check uh, behind the sound booth and in the wall back there is a silver mail slot that you can slip your your check into. So thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you to those uh, to all of you who faithfully give uh, we and, and, and invest in, in this church and invest in this community. We are, we are grateful for that. Uh, so right now, <clears throat> a real preacher is going to come up. I want to invite uh, P.C. Walker up to the stage, and uh, will you give him a warm SVC welcome? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you again. Um, I have a lot to talk about today. Uh, First of all, I'll just get this out of the way because it is weird to me. I brought my books today, so um, I wrote a book right before COVID hit, and uh, that was bad timing. So uh, I, <laughs> it came out, it was released, and then like a month later, everything shut down, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to make it on sale. So I put it on sale as a COVID sale, not knowing, and I said, as long as COVID is going on, the book is only twelve dollars, so uh, so it's still twelve dollars. <laughs> uh, it's still twelve dollars. So uh, um, I only bring it, and uh, this will be the only time I ever bring the books. I I don't like being like 
I'm peddling books and the stuff that I have, but because some of the stuff that I'm talking about today um, that Gary asked me to, to touch on gets to the topic of the book that I just released, um, just released, I released it a year ago, uh, a little more than a year ago, but, um, but since we're talking about it, I thought I would bring it with me, and um, if you want it, I will talk to you afterwards uh, over there. Um, that being said, uh, I want to jump in to a lot of things today uh, that Gary asked. He gave me a couple different options. Uh, I could continue on in uh, the book of John where he was at, um, or I could talk to this idea of, uh, of loneliness and, um, and anxiety and uh, and depression and, and all of those things that we're seeing very prevalent in our culture, in our society, in our world today. Uh, and so I chose the latter just because it it continued to come up for me um, as I kept sitting with both of those things. I really liked the John chapter. He was going to talk about John chapter 13 and how much uh, we need to work together. So it's very similar, but, uh, but this other stuff really started to come out a little bit more. So I'm going to jump into all of that, but, um, yeah, I really got to pray, um, before we jump in. So can you, we do that, please? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. Um, I never take lightly the fact that it is all grace to to do anything. Uh, to speak, though, is especially, uh, it is grace to be able to, to preach and to speak, but to, to speak your word and to, to preach um, about something so... Uh, real to each of us uh, that we're seeing really relevant in our culture and around us and in our own personal lives to see and to unpack your word in those spaces is amazing grace to me. Uh, So we ask God that you would uh, speak to me, that you would speak to each of us. Let us see you. Let us hear you today. Um, and let us walk out of here closer to you in some fashion, in some way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we live, uh, right now, uh, we live in a time when truth does not define or illuminate things as it should. We've come to be entirely reliant on our experience and our feelings instead of coming to our experiences and to our feelings, saying, what does God's truth say about the things that I feel and experience? We now make all of our experiences and all of our feelings the determination of truth. And if we think of truth, think of truth, and by this I will say that I mean God's truth found in who God says and what God says uh, is truth, Think of truth as the x-ray illuminator. You know the x-ray illuminator. You go into the doctor, you have x-rays taken, but you can't see the realities of the x-ray until you put it up to 
the illuminator in the doctor's office. The illuminator is what reveals the things that are broken. The illuminator reveals the things that are wrong, the true condition at hand. And that is the role of Scripture in our life, to put all of the conditions of our feelings, all of the conditions of our experiences in our context up to the illuminator of our individual experiences and to allow Scripture to define what is really wrong, what is really the condition at hand. But we have come to a point where we have replaced the illuminator altogether in our, in our culture and in our life. We now make our own personal feelings and our experiences the illuminator. So then we put up one scripture to the illuminator of our individual experience and our individual feeling, and we determine, well, this scripture must not be true because it's not matching what I feel. It's not matching what I experience. We've replaced one truth with a variety of ideals of our experiences and our feelings. And there are as many feelings and as many ideals as there are people. Our culture comes to look at in every experience as if it's the only true thing is what I feel right now. We feel a certain thing long enough, and we start to believe that that thing is true. And that becomes especially dangerous when we start to play this out in the things that we believe about ourselves. What you believe about yourself, what you believe about your own identity begins to be determined by your feelings and the few of your experiences that you've had along the way instead of by Scripture and the truth that God says of who you are. And that's especially true when we begin to have conversations about loneliness and about worthlessness, about hopelessness, and about helplessness, and about things like depression and anxiety. Before we go much further, I want to give a disclaimer to know that I know that there is a physiological reality of depression and of anxiety that can be addressed professionally. Like I'm not overlooking that and saying I want to paint this big spiritual picture over something that is a true physiological reality. I have a friend of mine who is a counselor who has a T-shirt that says it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. (laughs) And I believe that moving forward. But this morning I'm not particularly interested in addressing those who want to just study depression and some Bible verses that we'll just put over the top of it. I'm not especially concerned to speak to those uh, who just want to have a little Bible study this morning about depression. As much as I am concerned to speak to those who have a sense of being isolated, who have a real sense of being alienated, a sense of impossible standards to live up to. This morning, I'm more concerned to speak with those who feel worthless and helpless and hopeless and abandoned and left in the dark hole of depression or anxiety. Our experiences and our feelings of feeling abandoned 
and feeling alienated and hopeless and stuck, they force people more often to further isolate themselves because if they feel alienated and alone for long enough, they believe that they truly are alienated and they truly are alone. Isolation is the environment where depression and anxiety thrive. Several studies have statistically shown that Christians particularly have a very real feeling about God himself having abandoned them and alienated them or forgotten them. And that's why our culture finds it easier to just escape the things of depression, the things of hurt, the things of loneliness, the things, the feelings. We have our tendency to just escape those and we run to different addictions such as substances or even sexual relationships that's out the responsibility of authentic reality of intimacy. These addictions in our life are offered to you because they allow you to numb away for a moment the pain and the feeling at all instead of engaging them to see what is the truth underneath the things I feel. But addictions allow us to numb those things away instead of engaging them and looking at the reasons that we feel helpless, the reasons that we feel hopeless, the reasons we really feel worthless. And we give ourselves over to these things to numb away our ability to actually engage the truth underneath those things. So the challenge for us the challenge for us is to find them so find when we find ourselves in these dark clouds when we find ourselves in these places is to find a way to renounce and to replace the false beliefs because when you feel worthless when you feel hopeless when you feel helpless when you feel these things and you feel isolated and lonely those are false things those are lies and the only way to move forward is to replace them with truth and so you have to find and discover what is the truth of hope, what is the truth of, of God and the truth that we find in Christ, that we find in Scripture that will replace all of the things that these false things that I believe on any given day instead of turning to the things that our culture makes very prevalent. I want to show us the things that Scripture says. I'll have three things I want to show you that Scripture makes very clear to challenge us instead. I want to speak briefly about what does it mean for us to stay connected I want to talk about what does it mean to know that you're not abandoned? And what does it mean to be anxious in nothing? We've already talked about two of these things just in the morning announcements. Number one, I want to talk about what does it look like to stay connected to other people and don't isolate. Depression advances in isolation. If you have Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to be at first. Uh, we have neglected this need that we have for one another. We have a need to be connected, a need to be with one another. And when we neglect that, we actually call ourselves, we are neglecting the call that we've been given as followers of Jesus. As the church, when we neglect our need for one another, we are neglecting our call that has been given to us as the church to represent in the New Testament, Titus chapter two, verse 14 says, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. You are called 
as a follower of Jesus, you are called to do all of these things together and connected to one another. We are called to be together. Not one of us was called to a solo mission when we decided to follow Jesus. And as I read only eight verses here in Hebrews, I'm going to read eight verses. I want you to pay attention to how many times he uses the words I or we and us. Starting in verse 19 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. The primary reason that people lose and walk away from their faith in moments of doubt, in moments of hopelessness. The reason they walk away from their faith is because they have disconnected themselves from the us, and they attempt to do it alone, and it very rarely lasts on your own. We, have in, we are intended to hold on to our hope, to hold on to our faith that we have believed together we need one another One of my professors in grad school said that the beauty of the church is that every Sunday we get to come back together to remind one another that it's all still true. Everything we know of the gospel is still true. Everything we know of who God is, it's all still true. No matter what happens to us throughout the week, we come back together to remind one another that everything we know about Jesus is still true. And in verse 25 of what I just said, it says, let us not give up meeting together. That word give up means to forsake, to, to abandon. We are intended together to hold on to our faith. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Do not abandon one another. And then catch this, he says, as some are in the practice of doing or as some are in the habit of doing. That means not only does it mean that we are to live our life, to live out our faith together, but we are also on a mission to a lonely, isolated, hopeless culture. Our culture is the most connected it has ever been and equally the most lonely it has ever been. We are in a mission to a lonely culture. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been a commission, given a commission, a mission that cannot be and it was never intended to be by a Lone Ranger Christian. The mission must be done as a community and as a loving family in a community. It, it is not to be done by hit and run attacks on a culture that you disagree with. It has to be a community that can be observed, a loving community that can be observed from the outside, one that offers a place of belonging. Do you understand in a culture that is increasingly isolated, people want to know they belong somewhere. 
And if they don't belong there, they will never listen to the things that you believe. Your life together and with one another in a loving fashion that is there for one another in the right moments and at all the, the hard moments and you walk together, your life together as a loving community is the best witness you have for an isolated culture. If you've watched any of the like the animal documentaries or like Jack Hanna or anything of that sort, any of those types of shows where they they watch uh, lions, it's it's fascinating to watch lions. Uh, we just saw it on on TV yesterday morning, right after Good Day Sacramento comes on Jack Hanna, and we saw all of the the they did like a special on lions in Africa. And the thing I, I love about lions is it's interesting because when you watch lions. Uh, in most most of the time, they're just super lazy, and they're just laying there. And when you go to the zoo to see the lions, that's like the one you want to see. You go and you see them, and they're, if they're even outside, right? I'm like, you know what? I paid. You go get that lion and make him come out here and walk around. But uh, but if they're even outside, they're still sitting there laying there sleeping or just. They're lazy. They look really lazy. But if you watch uh, like a documentary or, or, a, or a National Geographic or something special about them, watching the lions hunt is fascinating because they don't just chase and run and, and then get the – like they don't just attack. They sneak down low in the grass to where they can't quite be seen. And if there's like a herd uh, of zebra, let's say, in this area, they – the lions will come from different sides, but they'll prowl and they'll start to come in slowly. And when the time is right, they get the zebra running. That's the intent is to get them running. So they start and they spook the entire herd. So the herd just starts taking off and then the, ch- the lions take chase. But they, they're fast, but they just let the zebra keep running until the one zebra that can't quite keep up trails behind, and they attack the one that can't quite keep up, that gets disconnected from the group. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The lion may appear very lazy. It may appear to be a non-threat most parts of the day. But it's that naivety that the king of the jungle preys on. We have a very present enemy who longs to keep individuals away from the heart of God. We have a very present enemy who wants people to rely more and more on the false feelings that they have about who they are instead of what God says they are and who God says they are. We have a very real enemy. And if we really care about our community, if you really care about your city, about your neighborhood, you will realize a couple of things. You cannot isolate yourself from this community, from the group. But the second thing is you can't allow other people to isolate from your community. 
if you begin to see someone beginning to disconnect themselves from your loving community, you begin to see someone isolating themselves from your loving community, it ought to matter to you. It ought to matter to you because you have an enemy that prowls like a lion waiting for the one that isolates themselves just enough from the group who is unaware of the danger. And that's the one that our enemy attacks. Secondly, God does not and has not abandoned you. In fact, God never stops calling your name. Blaise Pascal said, God created man in his own image, and man returned the favor. Every day, I project my own images. I project experiences that I have with other people, broken people. I project my experiences and my broken feelings and my circumstance. I project them all onto God, and all of a sudden, I can't trust God anymore. I can't depend on God because if I trust God, he'll leave me like everyone else left me. Or I'll do whatever I can to impress God enough that he won't leave. And all of a sudden, God becomes a God who abandons you based on experiences that I had with a broken person. But that's not the true image of who God is. And remembering, again, all of this comes back to replacing false things with the truth of who God really is. So we have to see what does Scripture say about the truth of who God is and contrast that and replace that with the things that I come to believe on a day-to-day basis. Luke chapter 15, the entire chapter, take a time some point in this week to read that chapter. It's three stories. Three stories that speak about things that are lost and then found. A shepherd that leaves 99 sheep to go find the one lost sheep. A woman who turns her house upside down to find one measly coin. The story of a prodigal son, which is one of my favorite stories of all time. Each of these stories has one character who represents the biblical God that we want to understand. And each story also has a character or an item that represents us as human beings. When you take the time to read that chapter this week, take notice which character is leaving the other. Which character is abandoning the other. We expect God to leave these people. We expect God to reject the bad people. And accept the good people. We expect these stories to tell us that the shepherd left the 99, found the one dumb sheep with his shotgun, and they had euros. We expect the lady to realize you have plenty of cash. Why turn your house upside down for one measly coin? We expect the father to say, what son? You mean the son who flipped me off, told me he wasn't my son, And left, I only have one son, the good one, the one that's out and back working for me. We expect those kind of reactions from God if we put our experiences of life and we project them onto God because we expect God to perceive the world as we do, which is good versus bad. We simply see people as either good or bad, and we're surprised when God doesn't see people quite the way we do. We, we see that we realize that God sees people as either lost or found in each of these stories. They're either dead or they're alive. 
And so there's reason for him to celebrate when he finds the one that was lost. When the one that we thought was dead is actually alive. There's reason to celebrate. There are none who are so worthless. There are no efforts that God won't use to find you when you are lost. He feels the same way you do when you lose something very valuable to you and find it once again. Do you see in at least these stories that God wants the relationship with you? Can you see in these stories that he is aware when your relationship is disconnected and your images of him are distorted and broken, that God never leaves you and God never abandons you. Not only will God never leave you and never abandon you, but when you leave, he will come looking for you until he finds you. God receives and perceives this world and his people as either lost or found. They're dead or they're alive, and the lost are considered very precious. And he won't stop calling your name until he finds you. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 29 through 31 show us the same character of God even in the Old Testament. Surprise, it doesn't, he doesn't change. He doesn't like he, one pastor said, uh, a former pastor of mine said that God didn't like go to summer camp between the Old Testament and the New Testament and find himself. He's still the same God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul. When you are in tribulation, when you are in trouble, when you are in that dark cloud that we keep talking about, all these things come on you in the latter days. You will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is merciful. He will not leave you. He will not destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. God always, over and over and over again, takes the initiative in seeking you out. God has not and will not abandon you or alienate you. And these broken images that God, of God that we have represent wounds in our own hearts, which need time and attention to heal from. It takes time to heal from those broken places. There are no quick fixes here. I, I told you that at the beginning. There are no quick fixes, and we cannot expect quick fixes. This is going to involve some recovery of sort. But if you have a difficult time believing or trusting God won't abandon you, then something has gone wrong. Beginning that process will require you to be very upfront with God. To be honest with your loneliness, your helplessness, your hopelessness, and understand that God is personally invested in replacing that broken spot. Personally invested in meeting you in that broken space. But if you've been in the church for long enough, you've likely had Bible verses thrown at you, Bible cliches, Christian cliches thrown at you. And it's typical for us to do that because we want to help. We want to help, so we throw our Bible verses and our cliches at your pain as quick fixes and simple solutions to deep problems. But when you're not engaging your heart in that moment and engaging your soul with those scriptures, then they end up becoming barriers instead of resource. They become band-aids on cancer if you can't engage them 
with your heart and your soul and seek God with all of your heart and soul. Scripture is a very practical resource, a very helpful resource when you approach it as such. And Scripture reminds us of this. God has never left you. People might have left you. But God has never left you. And he even says in Hosea 11:9, I am God, I am not man. Don't for one minute compare your peon examples of love to how I love you. He says in Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And understand this, when we read that God is faithful, you have to understand that God's faithfulness is a relational faithfulness. He will never leave you, he will never forsake you, but when we can trust that uh that God is faithful, it's because we trust that God is relationally faithful to us. We understand that all of these broken spots, we learn abandonment. We learn alienation from broken experiences and relationships. And so God knows that that's the broken spot. So when he comes to be faithful to you and to give you hope, it comes to give you hope relationally. He offers a relational faithfulness to you. So you can picture a God that notices you when you have been forgotten. Can you picture picture a God who notices you when you feel abandoned by other people? Can you picture a God who is out looking for you? Can you hear a God who won't stop calling your name, no matter how far you go? What difference would it make if you really believed that? Like, really believed that? The last thing is to be anxious in nothing, pray in everything. Pepperdine University asked me to speak several years ago, uh, and they gave me their theme verse for the year. The one verse for the entire year, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, was their theme verse for the entire year. And their theme word was peace. We were going to pursue peace because... Philippians 4, 7 talks about the peace that is beyond all your understanding. And we're going to pursue that peace. And we're going to talk about that peace for an entire school year. Every, every week, two or three times a week, we're going to talk about Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And they asked me to come and speak on the last week before the end of the year. So I actually did my research. I actually watched all their videos, like of every other speaker. I wanted to see how they did it. I didn't want to repeat myself or repeat somebody else. So I watched how everyone else spoke about it. I noticed something very important. A whole semester, reading chapter 4, verse 7, about peace, pursuing this peace of God. I'm going to read that verse. Actually, I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I got up and I began my talk mentioning the fact that they had been talking about and searching for peace for an entire year, which a peace which, first of all, Paul said, is beyond your understanding. But you've been pursuing it for a whole year. They've been searching, thinking about it for an entire year. And we all want that sort of peace. We all want that peace. In a lonely, isolated, anxious culture, we want the peace that is beyond our understanding. We want that sort of peace in our lives, but we have not found it in an entire year of focusing 
on that verse. And I believe most of us fail to get the peace that he talks about in verse 7 because we haven't read or focused on the verse 6. For an entire year, not one person unpacked verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God will surpass all your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If the peace that is, if this peace is the peace that is of God, and if God, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, 6, God, it says God is over all, in all, and through all. That's everywhere. So if it is the peace that is of God that is everywhere, that peace is available. That peace is available to us right now. The peace we are in constant search of is here and available now. And just before the end of verse 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, in prayer and supplication. Be anxious in nothing, pray in everything. The peace of God will surpass all your understanding, guard your heart. The reason we don't have the peace in our lives that we're praying for or that we're asking for is because we are praying in nothing and we are anxious in everything. And we have to find a way to switch from being anxious in everything and praying in nothing to where we start to pray in more, be anxious in less, to a point where we flip it to what it says, to where we're actually praying in everything and we are anxious of nothing. Prayer is not a magic wand for peace. Prayer is a discipline that lowers the anxiety. It lowers the focus of the things of chaos of the things of pain, the things of helplessness, and the things that are uncontrollable. Because when you pray, at least for the moment that you're praying, you are focusing your mind and your heart on the unshakable God of peace. And even for a moment, you're not focused on the chaos. Even for a moment of prayer, you're not focused on the uncontrollable thing. And even for a moment, you're not focused on the loneliness, the helplessness, the hopelessness. You're focused on the God of peace instead of all the things that you cannot control. Prayer is taking hold of the unshakable one, even though the rest of life vibrates. Peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus if you can get a hold of it and pray in more, be anxious in less, to the point where we can pray in everything and be anxious in nothing. The heart and the mind is where the battle takes place. The storms outside of your outside of that, they don't matter. The storms inside are what really matter. The battle for peace takes place from the inside out. I'll close by uh, I read an article a long time ago. Actually, I think I wrote I might have even written about it. Uh, and I've talked about it before, maybe even here, I don't know. But I was reading this article that fascinated me about military medics in times of war, like when they're actively in a war zone and how uh, military medics uh, handle those those moments. When bullets are flying um, and they're in a war zone, military medics have two things that they focus on when they go and find somebody, and that is to stop the bleeding and check the airway clear the airway. 
those are the things that keep you alive. Um, if other things are broken or need need healing or need repair, we'll get to those when we're back to safety. But when bullets are flying, when everything's out of control around you, check the airway, stop the bleeding, we'll fix the rest later. Because those are the two things that keep you alive. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, says this, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, when everything's out of your control, when everything begins to be where it feels like you are in a war zone, when everything feels hopeless, when everything feels helpless, when everything feels dark, and when everything feels like a battle around you and everything is shaking out of control, above all else, guard your heart. That is what keeps you alive. The rest of it, can be done in time. The rest of it can be fixed in time. The rest of it can be healed when we get back together with other people next week. The rest of it can come to a point where I come to my loving community that says, hey, everything we know about Jesus is still true. The rest of that can be fixed later, can be healed later. But when bullets are flying, when everything feels like it's out of control, above all else, guard your heart. Pray in more. Be anxious in less. Maybe to a point where we can pray in everything and be anxious in nothing. I'm done. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you for another opportunity to be with this family. Uh, Truly, 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 truly a family uh, away from home for me. And uh, and I just thank you for that. Uh, It is a gift to have um, seen our paths continue to entangle with one another. So I praise you for that, and I thank you for that. I ask, God, that you would meet meet my family members here uh, individually in their places of hopelessness, in the places that feel dark, in the place that feels uncontrollable and shaking out of control. I pray that you meet them there. I ask that you meet them in that space. Um, Remind them of your presence. Continue to call their name even a little bit louder so they can hear you to know that you have never stopped calling them out and that you'll continue to go after them. Let them know your presence in a way that is more real than, they, than they've felt in a while. I don't know. I know you can do that, so I ask for it. And uh, we will always give you praise for those things. We will give you praise for who you are. Help us continue to replace the broken, fractured pieces that we have of who we think you are uh, with the truth of who you actually are so we can come closer to you and stay close to you. We praise you for who you are, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
a great church family and um, really if you have people to be inviting you should um, so just as a reminder there's um, cards on the back table that you can invite people with and then also I know PC said he was going to say this once but I'm just going to say again I've read both of his books and they are powerful um, so I would definitely encourage you to check that out too um, we love you have a really great week see you next